right. Well, how are you guys doing? Welcome to another Anthem podcast. Uh, my name is Rob Patterson, and with me is... Ahmad Milby. Woo-woo. How you doing, man? Doing good. So uh, this podcast um, on the feed, we wanted to do a few weeks where we just did an inductive Bible study, but a conversation that goes through an inductive Bible study because um, we're kind of following the sermon outline as far as what passage we cover. Um, But we also know that learning how to study the Bible, it can feel intimidating, can feel overwhelming. um, And very easily, we think that we can't do it. We need someone to do it like the preacher to do it for us. But we're here just to have a conversation and kind of make it obvious that you have the same spirit of God with you. And so you too can understand the scriptures and pull out some of these um, really cool stuff. So the best way to use this, ideally, if you have a Bible or the ability to see the scriptures, that you're kind of asking similar questions, you can read them. Um, But we also recognize the reality of life, that there's a good chance you're hearing this in the car. There's a good chance you're mowing the lawn or going on a run or something like that. Um, So we're going to try to, you know, we'll read stuff. We'll make it obvious for you. Um, But we really want you to have an engaged mind because if there's just passive listening, um, I don't think the the point of this isn't for that. It's really for you to try to like, I want to hear the scriptures, but we'll, we'll vocalize it. We'll make it happen. Um, So uh, I've already said enough. Ahmad, can you pray for us? And then we're going to get into John three verses 22 to 36 today. Definitely. Father, we thank you uh, just for this moment that we get to uh, be with your word. Father, would you be with us tonight? And uh, guide us by your spirit. Lord, would you illuminate your scriptures to our hearts? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. John 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing at Aon near Salim because water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now discussion rose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. Uh Uh-oh. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. And he who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in earth, an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He who bears witness to what he has seen and heard yet. No one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. All right. 
So there is so much going on there. That's a, actually a pretty big uh, section of scripture here. Um, so first thing we're going to do is we're going to observe, then we're going to interpret, which is just kind of like, what does that mean? Observing is what's actually happening. What does it mean? Then lastly, apply. Why does this matter to me? How do I need to change in light of the scripture? Um, so observing is honestly, it's just us trying to notice what John, the author was trying to say, notice on pick up on words. Maybe there's something that's just weird and you don't understand it. We, we want to ask those kind of questions, but we're all trying to figure out what is actually going on here. Um, and what we're going to see this week, I think there's a technique of just rephrasing the sentence. I remember, um, my mom taught me in grade school that the way to write a paper is you find out a source of information that's good and you find a way to take their information and write it differently. Mm. And that's a way of like, you know, you're not, you're not plagiarizing. You're actually having to force yourself to understand something. And I think today, especially these verses, um, we're going to end up doing that a lot where we just say it differently. And that actually helps us understand what's even going on here. Definitely. So um, first little section here is verses 22, 23, and 24. It kind of makes a little section here on the setting. So what's going on here, Ahmad? Yeah, he's actually just given us uh, the, he's he's just continuing the story. And I love that John just, you know, starts it off with after this, you know, he doesn't say uh, if this is a day or a year, who knows? Mm -hmm. John just, I I think this is... uh, one of his favorite phrases to just move his story along his gospel along. So uh, these verses are just setting up like, Hey, we're not in the same place we were last time. It's sometime after we don't know how long. Yeah. Um, And we just kind of see it's to me, it's the idea of like, this is the setting. He's just setting the stage for what's actually trying to happen. And then in the linear notes, he's just mentioning, Oh, by the way, they moved down to this area. Um, I did a quick Google search of Anon near Salim, which Google is amazing for so many Bible (laughs) questions, by the way. Um, And you can just see it's about halfway down from that sea of Galilee. Then you have like the Jordan river comes down to the dead sea. It's about halfway down there. That's where Jesus is doing this and the baptizing right now. Um, so he's just setting the stage of like, Hey, by the way, John's doing his baptism thing. And now Jesus, we actually, they, he tells us, Oh, by the way, Jesus wasn't the one who's doing the baptizing. His disciples were, um, then 25 and 26, we see, boom, we had the setting. Now we have the conflict. Yes. So what's going on with 25 and 26, man, anything that jump out? Yeah. Um, we have the conflict is that John's baptizing. Jesus is baptizing over there. And John's, uh, John's, Disciples like, Hey, uh, our line's a little short here, John. <laughs> He's like, Oh, everyone's coming to that guy that you bore witness of, uh, last week or who knows how long, but yeah, the other day when you bore witness of this guy, uh, now they're all going to him. What's going on? Are you okay with this man? And this is where, like, for me, I think what's helpful is, uh, I, I couldn't agree more, but I think we have to put ourselves in the story sometimes. Like we, like we, I think if we read this as someone else's notes, as opposed to putting ourselves in the biblical narrative, we can sometimes lose the point. Like, have you ever been there? Like where you're a part of, I mean, it's put in a church culture, you're at a church and then some other church is exploding and all these fun things and you hear about them. Your friend might be going there and you're kind of like, Oh, that's cool. But you're just like, man, how come that's not happening with us anymore? Yeah. Right here. Here's someone's like, Hey, I'm feeling jealous. They're not going to say jealous, but they're kind of like, Hey, don't you care? Hey, right. they, what, what they're doing is kind of cool and it's popping what we're doing. It's what's going on here. Why are we losing? Yeah. Like last week we were it, but 
Yeah. This week, it, it's all Jesus. What's going on here? Hey, John, John you got you to you know, one-up Jesus. How can we get the crowds back? <laughs> um, and it's funny because this is just a, an observation of they're apparently having some conversation about purification. And I feel like that ends up being the setup for almost every argument um, <laughs> in the New Testament. It's like some people are, you know, the Pharisees are arguing about purification or uh, Jesus' disciples are arguing over something about purification. Then there's, there, it's like this constant theme. I, I don't even know what they're talking about because what they're going to ask him about the crowd thing has nothing to do with purification. It was not a baptism of here's how you get pure with God. It was a baptism of repentance. Um, anyways, it's just kind of interesting. Um, next little section here is verses 27 uh, all the way through 30, right? And this is John's big response. He says, a person cannot give even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. Then he keeps going on and he ends with that. I, I, I love verse 30. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Mm. He must increase, but I must decrease. What do you notice in those little, in those section? Yeah. I, I, I love the, the start of his answer. He doesn't, he doesn't address himself at first. He's, he addresses, Hey, God's the source, right? I don't have anything unless it first comes from God. You wouldn't be standing here unless God gave you to me as a disciple. And then he goes in and he uses, uh, or actually before that, he's like, Hey, you heard me say, I'm not him, right? I am not the guy. I'm the guy pointing to the guy. And then he, then he uses, uh, this, this, uh, analogy of marriage and basically being a best man. And he, it's actually pretty strong language. I think here he says, Hey, he who has the bride is the groom. And, and so saying that he's like, wouldn't it be terrible if the best man was, was being, was jealous that the groom was getting the bride. If, if the best man's trying to steal the bride, we got a real problem here. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's <laughs> these verses. I mean, that's a really good story. Um, just trying to think of every, you know, there's so many wedding movies, right? I, I too am married. And so a lot of romantic comedies and I feel like a third of them always involve a wedding of some kind of this, like, okay, what kind of tension there's a, like a love triangle. And it's like, what if the best man was trying to steal the bride away from the groom? Right. That would be a tragedy. Um, or, you know, I think, I think on Sunday, Matt had mentioned the idea of like, what if the best man tries to one up the groom yeah. for the attention of, of some ways, like something's just broken. Um, I love, um, I mean, I'm going to compliment the Holy spirit here and <laughs> use an analogy, but like, I, this is to me such a powerful, um, analogy of just like, this is, here's John saying like, guys, you're worried and jealous because Jesus is trending. Don't you know what we're here for? Right? Like that's, that's the team. We're, that's what we're here for. Like I, um, I remember for me, I, it felt like I got married late. I didn't get married till I was 25, which was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, seemed like every, all my friends were like, you know, doing this thing. And so like, I remember like, oh man, I really wish I had found a person. And then, um, I was a best man and actually my, my really good friend, Dave Wool his wedding. Um, but I remember that day, like being there and like when that, when the doors open and the bride comes down. And like, I get, I'm sitting next to Dave and I get to hear his gasp and like, he's getting all watery eyed and I'm seeing her and mm -hmm. she's beaming. Right. And I'm in this moment. And I, I remember I'm like, 
I am so stoked that they have that. Like, I remember it's like, like, there's so much joy deep down. It's like, Oh, I wish I had something like this too. But like in that moment, it's like, no, but this is not about me. This is just like, I am coasting off of their joy off of their love. Cause this is the way it was meant to be. Yeah. You're, um, you're happy to be a part of it and that you got to uh, support your, your friend in doing it, but you're not like, Oh man. Yeah. And it's I like, I, there. Oh, I mean, how, how tragic and how broken would it actually show my heart of like that whole time? I'm like, how come this isn't happening for me? It's like, and let's be honest, I've been in enough, enough weddings where it's like, that's a common feeling in weddings. It's like, how come I can't have nice things? It's as opposed to just the joy for my friend found someone. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and I just, I mean, John, just like, Hey guys, this is literally the team you signed up for. I ain't, I ain't the savior. I, I work for him. <laughs> I, I donate my time to him. Um, and, and I just love verse 30. Um, just he must increase, but I must decrease. Um, it's just such a good verse. Yeah. That's, that's where that sign comes from. Right. Yeah. Um, you mean the, uh, the Hawaii one? Uh, the, the one that I didn't understand for the longest time. Cause I, I wasn't raised in the church. And so I was like, what is this hecky sign all over the place? <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'm going to explain it. Cause I actually love this because it's from the um, North shore of Oahu. Um, and that one, uh, because I've been in the North shore, I feel like it counts as a native. I've lived there for like two weeks of my life. Yeah. yeah um, sure. So it's the, it's he, the word he with all capitals. Then there's the greater than sign that points to the he, then there's the lowercase I. Um, and basically that like kind of Christian bumper sticker, it's kind of a cool version of a fish, I guess. Um, that originated from this verse of just like, Hey, we want him to be greater than me. Right. I'm going to on the decrease side. He's on the greater than side. Um, yeah. So kind of a fun little fact there that whenever you see that it, it came from John three thirty here. Um, but I, also in this whole section, we're, we're trying to understand what's going on here. I think that verse is, I think this is like the summary statement of this entire section. Yeah. Um, I think you can argue that this is also a commissioning on all Christians life of how would you live a life of following Jesus? Well, how about you decrease and him increase? Well, how would I make, how would I disciple my own kids and raise them up? Well, what if you decrease and make like, yeah, it's shockingly, you know, apply it everywhere. Definitely. <clears throat> so while we're observing, I know we're about to get into this next section. I would just like to say just as, as you know, studying this and really looking at this, I had a hard time with John, the writer, John, why did you put 25 through uh, 30 right here? Because if I, it seems to me like if, if I was writing it and I took it out, it, uh, it just flows so great, uh, with what we heard from John three sixteen through 19 and just, yeah, just from an observation standpoint, like, oh man, like there's this story here and I get what you're saying here, John, but it just, it flows without it even being here. So just an observation for me. No. And I think, um, I mean, this is getting in the, the point of like, sometimes we can run through the Bible and we can get something by moving really fast, like at a freeway speed, sometimes like walking through the neighborhood, you see the roses. I think that's a good question because I don't have, I don't have an answer. Um, but John, he curated this. He's not choosing every story he remembers. He's choosing these stories and telling them in this order. He's not necessarily chronological either. Yes. He's telling them in this order because he's trying to prove a point 
And this one does kind of seemingly stand out a little bit of like, why is this one there? Um, it feels like it f- drops his momentum in, in so many ways. Um, and I think that's a good question. Um, some of the best observations, we don't have questions. Maybe this observation gets realized back in chapter 13 or something like that. We, we don't necessarily know, but we want to keep asking the questions that we have. Um, versus uh, this, I'm just going to group this whole last section, 31 to 36. Um, this is all of a sudden a shift in tone where the author uh, John seemingly is going to go back to what Modidus mentioned, right? He, he had just kind of editorialized the God so loved the world. He gave his only son, didn't condemn the world. He came to save the world. Now he's going to come back to that kind of preaching at us. Um, yeah. And it, it is, it's just interesting here um, that some of the, so much of these sentences, I think that technique of restating them, but in a different way mm-hmm. will help you understand what's going on here. Cause right. Let me read verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is from earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. All right. He said that twice. So that seems it's probably important if he's saying it. So just trying to think of a different way of saying it, I could say, okay, if you're from heaven, you have a better vantage point than if you're from earth and heaven is better than earth. Yes. Right. Is that exactly what it says? No but I think that's the gist of it. And by restating it, by me having to use my own little like mental faculties, it's going to help me get, understand what's going on here. Yeah. And when I, when I read that, I, I read there's Jesus and there's literally everybody else. Like he <laughs> singular yeah, who comes from above is above all everybody. Right. So yeah. it just, it speaks to just again, the supremacy of Jesus, the yeah to me. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's keep following that verse 32. So it's talking about Jesus. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard yet. No one received his testimony. That reminds me of that first chapter of John, right? Where he's just saying, Hey, he, the light came into the world, but the world rejected it because their days were their You know, their ways were dark and evil. Here is John saying that same theme, right? That's a consistent one. He wants us to know. He keeps repeating it. We got to listen. That's obviously what he wants us to know. Yeah, I, I, I feel like there's a bit of irony there too, how it says Jesus is bearing witness of what he knows and what he has seen firsthand, but nobody uh, accepted his testimony. And it, man, that's just, yeah, it's craziness. It's like, hey, I wonder what heaven's like. And then here is the guy who invented heaven. Like, hey, let me tell you what heaven's like. like can we really trust him? <laughs> it's like, well, if he's true, then you better trust him. Um, yeah. Verse 33, whoever receives his testimony, right? Whoever receives what Jesus says about himself sets his seal to this, that God is true. So here they're saying is anyone who believes Jesus, you're, you're adding kind of like you're signing on to his statement, right? That setting that seal is like you'd put that wax and you put your little like embossment on, mm. on that for us. Think of it as the idea of like, when you, if you're going into target and they have those petitions and you say like, Hey, I'm adding my signature to this petition. This represents me. If you talk to me and like, you saw my name there, I would, I would off, you know, I would, I would represent it to you. They're saying, Hey, yeah, to believe Jesus is to co-endorse the words that he is saying. And that God is true. Yeah. yeah. Um, why don't you go for verse 34? For he whom God has sent, utters the words of God for he gives the spirit without measure, man. And that's just, 
that saying that Jesus originates from God. He has, uh, this is what he knows. This is, he, he has all authority and he gives the spirit freely, right? Without measure, he, he gives it all. And so, yeah. Uh, just talking about again, that Jesus, uh, he comes from God and because of that, he has the right to give the spirit. So, yeah. I mean, this is one of those things that, um, we're not going to, we don't have the time to unpack. This is something people would devote their life to, but we see the Holy spirit showing up in different times in the old Testament where he would come down on certain Kings of Israel or on certain prophets or have certain words, but those were always measured. And here they're saying, if you want the, the one who can give the spirit is the person who actually comes from heaven, right? The, the father sends the son, the son and the father also send the spirit. And the idea of like, it's not going to be like the way it used to be of like where you get bits and pieces and a measured amount of let's not overdo the spirit today. It's like, no, 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 there's, there's no parent here regulating the sugar. We're just saying all of it, have all yeah. the spirit. It's yours. It's, it's a baptism into the spirit. It is a, you know, complete filling of the spirit. That's what it looks like to receive Jesus. Yeah. And this is a, that's a theme to look out for throughout John. Cause he, he, he's going to refer back to this later that just that Jesus, he gives the spirit freely. He gives it completely. Whereas this has never in that way been done before because Jesus hadn't come. Yeah. And uh, it's not in this text, but I'm just, one of the things that the gospel of John does for us better than most other gospels um, is John will, he's trying to fill in the gaps of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He wants to tell the stories that they didn't have in their account. Um, and one of the things he does really well, especially in the upper room is there's a lot of talk about the Holy spirit. And so John, he's seemingly in his book going out of his way to saying, I want to make sure I mention the Holy spirit properly because I want to fill in the gap of where people might not have that kind of knowledge. Luke does a, a decent job of talking about being filled in the spirit, mm -hmm. but he kind of mentions it, but doesn't really explain it much. And he, John wants to go out of his way to explain the roles of the Holy spirit. So um, verses 35 and 36, we'll kind of wrap up with those, but we have this idea that the father gives the authority to Jesus to give life, right? Whoever uh, the father loves the son and has given all things in his hand. Right. He's saying the father, Jesus has all the authority of God and whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life. Once again, belief and obey those words are treated as synonyms here. Yes. Yeah. If you believe something, you're actually going to act on it. Um, but the wrath of God remains on him. So it's a, almost a restating back to John three sixteen, seventeen, and 18. Mm -hmm. So John's he's wrapping up a thought. He's kind of putting the, the bow on this entire thought. Uh, section. I think it's kind of sections of chapters really two and three are kind of uh, him doing something about different institutions. He's, he's showing the real point of them all. Yeah. And I'd love to just interject uh, to that phrase shall not see life in verse 36 just stands out to me of uh, whoever does not obey the son shall not see life. And just with that, what makes me think of, of, we all are living, we all have life, but true life are, is for those who believe and obey the son. And yeah. just that, that phrase of shall not see life of the life that God really meant for us, the life that is true and that is complete 
it cannot be seen apart from Jesus. And so the life that, that even that people would think that they have apart from Jesus, they're not seeing life. Yeah. That's good, man. So uh, we've actually spent a lot of time um, already on just pulling this apart. The point of like, we want to observe this text because as you guys can see, like when you get into the, the, the nitty gritty, there's so much more life. And all of a sudden something that seemed like difficult to understand. Now all of a sudden you're seeing nuances and questions. Um, but so now we want to interpret because as we start to see what they have to say, what are they actually trying to say? Let's, let's put all these little like clues together. Um, and I, I kind of see there's two different ways to go here. I'll let Ahmad choose which one everyone he wants to talk about. Um, I see there's a huge kind of sweet, that weird section that felt like it didn't fit with mm-hmm. like John and his disciples and kind of their own like jealousy, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I think there's really a pointing towards humility here. Um, but then there's also this, I mean, the, the, the obvious theme of John here is he wants us to believe and he is preaching the gospel so well here that he actually, we, we still refer back to it of like John three sixteen. Hey, this section can go right, right with that of like, this is essential call to belief. So what do you think he wants to do? What, which one of those do you want to attack? Yeah. I'll, let me, let me tackle John the Baptist. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, like you said, just that, that choice between humility versus jealousy and just that posture for John of he knows his place. Right. Um, and he knows what he's here for. And even in the midst of uh, just everything going on and, and his, himself being diminished, he says yes and amen to that mm-hmm. because he knows Jesus is greater. Jesus is above all. And all I'm here to do is point the way to him. And, and for us, that's what we're here to do too. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's interesting because this is, you know, John has previously used Pharisees like Nicodemus. He's previously used um, different, you know, like a religious things that have kind of missed the point. But here he is kind of even using one of the good guys of like, they're missing the point. Some of John's followers. So John had previously given some of his followers to Jesus. Like, Hey, go be his disciples. Yeah. Um, he didn't get into this. Actually, <laughs> as I'm thinking about this, John, the author was one of John the Baptist, I think followers that yeah. John the Baptist like, Hey dude, don't follow me anymore. Go follow Jesus. Yeah. Like, um, and so like, I, I think that he, the idea, that contrast of like showing this, the jealousy of just like, man, all the, how fast jealousy can make someone lose the point. Um, and I think, you know, we mentioned it in the observation of like how quickly as Christians, we get jealous of other Christians. Mm. Um, but the reality of like in humility of like, Hey guys, at best we're in the bridal party here right? The, the relationship of Jesus to the church, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. And we, as you know, if we presume ourselves to, you know, represent Jesus and any leadership in our families at, at, in the workplace at all these different places, or both of me and you, we happen to be at a church. Um, yeah, it probably hits us a little harder, uh, as, as pastors, because, you know, God forbid that any yeah. one of us would ever get skewed and think it's about us or, or oh, the for following sure. that we're having yeah. or anything like that. No, it, it's Jesus is following. It's Jesus, you know, everything is for him. Yeah. And so it, it's amazing. Cause like, right. It's like, Oh, I'm doing things for the kingdom. It's like, what's, but it's my, 
foxhole of the kingdom. It's not the actual like kingdom. It's just my perspective of it. I don't know what the kingdom's doing in, you know, Great Britain right now. I don't know what the kingdom's doing in, you know, Madagascar. I, I don't know. I, heck, I don't even know what the kingdom's doing in, you know, Simi Valley. Yeah. Right? I, I know like a pocket of a couple, you know, dozen to a hundred people in Thousand Oak. That's what I got. Yeah. Um, and here's John the Baptist being humble. He gets it. Ironically, he's all about Jesus. And then we also see that Jesus is also a picture of humility. Mm. That their whole point like here is he's saying the father gave all the authority to the son and Jesus has all these things, but guess what? The world's going to reject him and he ain't going to slap back and yell and scream. He's actually going to submit to the point of death. Um, and like, you know, Philippians two, right. Talks us about do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit. Um, but in humility count others as more significant. And then he's like, well, who's a humble person? How about Jesus? Right. He's literally God. He has that heavenly perspective, but even that he submits himself. He takes on the role of a servant. Um, and so I think there's a huge thing here where John's just highlighting humility and contrasting that with this, the jealousy, right? They're just, they're, they're almost mentioned of their jealousy just to point the fact of like, and that's not the way of Jesus. That's not even the way of John the Baptist. <laughs> um, and then the obvious interpretation here, um, it's, if you've been reading the book of John, you can't miss it. It's just hitting you over a two by uh, face, the two by four of just please repent and believe. And if you want to believe it's not, it's a sign through your obedience, not just through your mental agreement. Um, and he's saying, and that's where life is. That's where that, you know, that's where everything is. And so there's like this constant, he wants us to believe that Jesus is from God, that mm-hmm. Jesus is God, that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins that Jesus has the authority to die and he has the authority to rise up. Like that Jesus is the Christ that you would believe that. Yeah. And by knowing that you would have eternal life as, as uh, we've been saying every Sunday and just, yeah, that last section is just slaps that on the wall even harder. Yeah. Like Jesus, he's it. So last section here is the application. Um, the, the reality of this one is I, I feel like this, a true application, this is going to change every time, right? I actually have an application here. I wrote when we were preparing for the podcast and it doesn't even, I feel like the application that actually matters to me today, that that was where the Lord was working two days ago. Yeah. Um, and, and so to some degree, like as you're listening, thinking through what we've talked about, how does this hit you right now? That's, that's the true application, right? You know, as you're driving or whatever it is, like, what do I need to like, if I feel the tension, if I feel the spirit actually working of like, Oh, God's pointing something out. I maybe don't even like seeing it. Yeah. What does he want me to do with it? Yeah. And, and true application is, and so now I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. One, one of my favorite things on application is the faster I tell someone and have some accountability in my life of, Hey, I think I need to cut this thing out. Or I think I need to do this. The more likely I am to actually do it. Because I, I actually need that because I, my mind gets scattered. I, I move on too fast. But if this Lord's speaking, how do I dare not obey? Because that's actually, I believe it's a sign of my obedience. Yeah, that accountability part is, is key. Yeah, so um, the, the, the application I had from two, uh, a few days ago, two days ago, was I was just thinking the jealousy thing, it grabbed me. Because I was just like, man, how often or just putting myself in the story of how often have I probably assumed I was doing stuff on Jesus's behalf, but was actually counter. And I was 
opposed to the very thing Jesus was actually doing, but I was convinced I was the one who got it right. Mm, yeah. I'm scared for that answer. And so I like look at myself in the mirror of like, I need to be way more humble, even in the way I proclaim that my mission clearly must be God's mission. I don't know. I think so. Otherwise I want to be doing it. Yeah. But man, I, I got to hold that with open hands and like, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for me, I was just thinking similarly of, yeah. Am I getting in the way or am I like a best man standing on the side, pointing to my God, my savior and letting people come to him and then standing aside? Yeah. Would I, would I be content and as happy for the groom if I wasn't a best man? What if I was just a groomsman? <laughs> what if I didn't make the wedding party? I, I, you know, sir, not appearing in this film. <laughs> like, would I be just as stoked if like, I realized that like my life, right? The whole idea of legacy, the whole idea of greatness. It's like the Bible says, smash that to bits. Yeah. It's his legacy. It's his greatness. Um, and if we, if we truly believe Jesus is who he says he is, the fact that we're just adopted in the family, it's like, there's your joy, man. They ain't throwing parties for you in heaven. They're throwing parties for Jesus. You can't figure out how to celebrate that and like be all about that. It's a sign of your heart. You, you gotta, you gotta open that up and let him change that. Yeah. You know, it, it even, man, whole different book, same guy. Uh, but it just, you saying that just even reminds me of, uh, when John was given all those visions, uh, at the end in revelation and he's just so blown away and that he just goes and he worships this angel and the angel's like, no, I'm just like you just like, don't do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Please yeah, don't, don't do that. Don't you dare worship me. No. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. Hey, I'm just like you. It's all about Jesus. And yeah, yeah that, that's just, that's how I want my life to be. That's so good. Well, Hey, um, we're done with this today. If this whole idea of Bible study, um, that we're trying to do here in the podcast, I know it's an imperfect form. We want to equip you. Um, one of the biggest things we want to do, um, as a church full stop ever, always, especially this year, we're focused on it is how do we equip you to do these things, right? This last year with COVID, all of a sudden the, the things became a lot more difficult. There's more separation. And we realized like, man, we need to do a better job of making sure these tools, these abilities are in everybody's hands. And I don't know if there's a more important thing than learning how to study your Bible. I, I probably prayer. That's just talking to God too. But uh, th those go hand in hand. If you're reading your Bible, you should be praying. If you, sh if you're praying, you're like, well, how come God never speaks? Well, he also his word. He kind of inspired a book too, yeah. man. It's he, some of the stuff you're looking for. He has already spoken. Um, so, there's going to be another class. There, there's one going on right now as we record this, but also this summer, I know Ahmad's going to be teaching another Bible study class. I have a class I'm teaching. It's going to be a little bit different than Bible study, but um, we'd love for you guys to hop into that. There'll be info upcoming. Um, I think it's around July is when it kicks off the beginning yes. of July. So that's it for today. Um, hope you guys are doing well. I'm glad you guys mowed the lawn. I hope you got where you need to go. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>